Amen, amen, and amen. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, if you have them. Romans chapter 8, while you're turning, let me remind you. If children get restless, let's take them out in the lobby. We've got screens out there you can watch. That way people can hear what God's saying to them in here tonight. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to talk to you tonight about how to be led by God and how to let our lives be directed by Him and how to let him help us get where really all of our hearts want to be. Do you believe that today, in this modern day, we can be led by God personally in our personal lives as we make decisions and, and navigate our families? Do you think he can help individually us today like he helped people back in Bible days? I want you to look at me at one verse in Romans chapter 8. Verse 6, excuse me, verse 14, which says this, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Tell me what is the identifying mark of a, of a child of God according to that verse. They can be led by God. They can be led by the Spirit of God. He can, he can direct their lives personally. Uh, he has plans for all of humanity, but the Bible is very clear in Psalm 30 that he has individual plans for every person. It talks about the plans of his heart to all generations. And then it says this, he fashions their hearts individually. He's got a different plan and he wants to help every person in a different direction. And the Bible is very clear uh, that we need to be led by the spirit of God in our lives. And you can see this all through Scripture. But to begin with, let me, uh, let, me, let me ask you, why should I let God lead my life? You say, well, Brother Brian, it's the right thing to do. I'm going to give you something better than that. Why should I let God just take over and run my life in every area? Why should I let Him do that? I'm going to give you two reasons from Scripture that I should just let Him just abandon it and say, you're driving to aid my life. Number one, the goodness of the Lord. You'll never let him lead your life until you know how good he is. But all through the Bible, you see this, that he has never tried to do anything for anybody except good. Genesis chapters 1 and 2, he created a beautiful earth. He put man and woman in the garden. It was the most beautiful life. That's what he's like. He gave them the most wonderful life. And it was sin that messed that up. You can go all through scriptures. Perhaps you've heard some of these scriptures. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. Plans for what? Good. Not evil. To give you a future and a hope. Isn't that what we all want? Don't we all want a good future that brings hope into our lives? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me in good places. If you'll let him be your shepherd, listen, not your savior. He can be your savior, not be your shepherd. But if you'll let him lead your life, how about this? Goodness and mercy will be on my life every day of my life. That's where he leads people to. Um, Psalm 128, blessed is the man that lets God direct his life. His, his wife will be like a fruitful vine, his children like olive plants all around his table. He'll prosper in everything that he sets his hand to. Over and over through the Bible, you, you see these promises that if people would just let me lead their lives, I don't take them to bad places. I take them to good. But I want you to look at one scripture with me regarding that in Psalm 81, where he speaks about wanting to lead people personally and privately. In Psalm 81, this is a wonderful, wonderful scripture that I've just, I dwell on it a lot. In Psalm 81, 
I believe God still speaks to us today. I believe he, as a good father, he wants to be very intimate in our lives. He wants to be very involved with us, just like I was with my children when they were young. And Psalm 81 is one of those pictures where he says this in verse uh, 13. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. What do you hear right there? He, he doesn't just want his people to stay out of trouble. He doesn't just want them to keep the Ten Commandments. He wants them to let him direct their lives and walk in his ways. Look with me in uh, verse 14. I would soon subdue their enemies, turn my hand against their adversaries. Verse 16. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. You see this over and over in scripture where he, he, he wants to be Lord. He wants to lead our lives so he can do good things for us. All through scripture, we could go on about that. So number one, the reason I want to let him lead my life is because of his goodness and where he wants to take me to. Let me tell you the second reason I want God to lead my life. I am blind to the future. I have no idea what tomorrow holds. I, I have, I'm clueless about, I can try to make the best decisions I can make, but I'm not God. I don't know what's out there. I have no idea what's coming down the road. I want you to, uh, we're in Psalm, turn a few pages to the right to Proverbs 14. This verse, and I've known, that I've, I've dwelt on this verse for years. This verse scares me that I would not dare lead my own life. I want God to lead me in everything. And uh, I'm gonna, let me, you just look at this verse and see what you think about it. And this is a great truth. And you see this, not only the truth, you see it acted out all through scripture and life. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of destruction. The word death there doesn't mean you die physically. It means destruction. What does the Bible tell you and I there? I may think I know the right way to go and the right decisions to make, but in the end, it'll destroy things. How many people have I talked to through the years? And I'll just ask them, why did you do this? Why did you make this decision? How, how did you get here? And you get the same answer every time. It seemed like the right thing at the time. What does the Bible say? There is a way that looks good, but the end result is not what we want it to be. There's not a person in this room that can't bear witness that you've made decisions that did not work out good in the end. That if we would just let him lead, he doesn't take us to bad places. It is not him who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has come that we might have abundant life. But you don't get abundant life by being saved. I know many Christians who do not have a good life. You get abundant life by letting him lead your life, by letting him dictate your life. I want you to look with me at what Jesus said about me running my own life. In Matthew chapter 15, in Matthew 15, and boy, you want to see a picture of my nation right now. Matthew chapter 15. Jesus was asked about leadership and people making decisions. And here's what he said in Matthew 15. And uh, this is the verse that I believe applies to America right now and so many lives. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, he said this, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. You know what a smart man or woman would say? I'm blind. I don't have enough sense to make good decisions for me and my family. I need God to tell me what to do. It is the foolish man who says, I don't need God. 
I can make my own decisions and run my own life. If ever there was a nation that's in a place right now where we have blind leaders leading blind people, if we're so smart, why are we in the ditch? What is the reason that people get in a ditch? It's because they go on blind and they don't know what the future holds. But uh, that, those verses sort of put the fear in me because I have responsibility for my family and people that I lead in my own life. I do not want to live in a ditch. I don't want my family to be in a ditch. I, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want a great life. I want the life Jesus died, created me to live and died to give me. And there's only one way to do that. That is to make up my mind. He's going to lead me. I'm going to let God lead my life. Now let's shift gears. How am I going to be led by God? How do I let him come into this life right here and lead me in my personal affairs, the decisions I make, the way I treat people, handle my money? Do I move? Do I not move? Who do I associate with? I believe he wants to help us in every detail of life. But how do you do it? How do you actually do that? Let's take a minute and look at that in scripture. Uh, first things first, I'm going to give you several things about letting God lead personally. Number one is always number one. You have to surrender to him in faith. You have to surrender your life to him in faith. There, there's a, let, me, let me just give you the deal here. He's not going to tell you what to do or help you make decisions until you've already decided to do what he says. He, don't, he, doesn't, he doesn't put his opinion in the pot. You don't get to have him tell you the great road and then you think about taking it. You have to make up your mind, I want to follow him before he'll even show you what it is. I want you to see that in scripture. John chapter 7, verse 17 says this. John 7, 17. And we're going to look at two scriptures regarding this, but I, I somehow I think that one of the things I'm so thankful for in the, in the modern things that are happening in church today is Jesus has become very personal to people like he was when he walked on this earth. He's become very personal. And this great almighty God has stepped down to be friends with people that are humans. And that's sort of new. You know, that, that's maybe 30, 40 years old where God has become a dear friend to people. But the drawback to that is in the American church, we've tended to lose the almightiness of how great he is. And we've made him one of the boys instead of the almighty. And we need a balance there. We need both of those. And in John 7, 17, the Bible says this, if any man will do my will, he will know the teaching. Which comes first? Does he teach you how to go or do you have to make up your mind you want to do it first? I have to make a commitment to do his will and say, thy will be done in every area of my life before he'll even show me what to do. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter four, uh, excuse me, Proverbs chapter three. This is one of the first scriptures I ever learned when I first was saved and began to follow Jesus. And it's been a foundational scripture. And I keep going back to it over and over and over. It's not only a foundational scripture, it's a foundational truth about life. Now I've been in this a long time. I've been doing this 40 some years now. And I've watched people come and go. I've watched them come and stay. I've watched them do well. I've watched them collapse. And uh, it's not talent. It's not effort. It's obedience to the direction of God that keeps that just keeps you great life, great life, great life. Not perfect. But Proverbs chapter 3 is one of those great promises where the Bible says this. Let's start in verse 5, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. 
in all your ways acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. Right, in verse six, when does he direct your paths? After you acknowledge him. When you acknowledge him in all your ways, so does the Bible clearly teach. Now, now people say, I, don't, I think we just have to go by the Bible and do the best we can. That's not scriptural. The Bible is very clear. Does it not say right there, he will direct your steps? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He is he's far better than any father ever thought about being on this earth. He cares about his children, but he will not run over your will. You have to acknowledge him. Now, now how about every area of life? What, what, is the, what is the phrase in all your ways mean? Acknowledge him. Put him first in everything in your life and he'll show you how to go and he'll get you exactly where you want to be. Uh, and that, but here's the diff. first thing I've got to do. I've got to surrender in faith. Uh, when people cannot find the will of God, it's the same reason a bank robber can't find a highway patrolman. Dear ones, his will is not hard to find. You don't find it by being mystic, getting a prophetic word. You find it when at heart level you say, thy will be done. Acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Once I've done that, number two, once I've surrendered to his will, number two, I always, you know what number two is, you look to the word of God in every decision. First and foremost, you look to the word of God in every decision. He's never going to speak to you about anything if his word is spoken on it. Now, the man who mentored me, he was very balanced in spirit and word. We, we're out of balance today. We've got a lot of folks that are big on the word, but they don't know the Holy Spirit. Others are big on the spirit. They neglect the word. He was very balanced, but he always said this, word first, spirit second. And that's what Jesus taught us all through the scriptures. It's word first, spirit second. You always look to the word of God first for every decision. I have a decision to make. The dumbest thing I do personally is to think about it. Why would I lean on my own understanding? I've trained myself immediately. Where's that in scripture? What, what does the Bible say about that? I want you to look at something with me that happened over and over and over in the life of Jesus. I want you to turn me to Luke chapter 10. And I want you to look at how Jesus told people to be led. And when they had to make decisions and when they asked questions, look how Jesus answered people. In Luke chapter 10. I don't know if you ever caught this in scripture, not reading through the gospels. But what you're fixing to read, Jesus said this over and over and over to people. You know, if somebody tells you something over and over and over, we need to get it. And the Bible, the scripture says this in Luke chapter 10, a man came up to Jesus, verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Let me, let me just clarify here. That's not a, an attorney like we think of today, like of the Dewey, Cheatham and Howe law firm. This would be more like a this is, a, this is a, a teacher of ministers. He was an expert in biblical law. So he'd be like a seminary professor. So this is a seminary professor who wants to ask Jesus a question. He, he wants to know something about his life. Verse 25, he tested him saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Is that an important question? Is that a big question? Is that not the biggest question any person ever asks? How do you think the son of God would answer somebody when they ask that? I want you to look at what Jesus said to him. He said to him, what is written in the law or the Bible? What is your reading of it? What was Jesus' answer over and over and over when people ask big questions? What did he say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? 
What does the Bible say about what you're asking, about the decision you want to make or the thing you want to know? Dear ones, we need to train ourselves immediately, like Jesus, to ask first thing, what does the Bible say about this? Right off the bat. And once, once I know what the Bible says about it, then the issue's settled. My decision's made. And we need to be a people who put the word first. And you say, well, I don't know what the Bible says. Get you a concordance, look it up on your phone, call somebody who knows the Bible. But we have got to get back in the American church to the word of God. We've drifted away from it and we're paying one difficult price. I'm a I am stunned at the goofiness that's going on in churches today. We have lost our respect for God's word in our personal lives. I, I don't care if you carry it under your arm. Thy word have I hid in my heart, not under my arm, in my heart's where I want it. And we've got to put the word first in our lives. And we immediately just ought to ask, if I want to know what to do about something, what does the word of God say? All right. Now, number three, there are things that I need to know that the word of God doesn't cover. I have to make decisions that are not in the Bible. Who do I marry? Do I go in this business with somebody? Do I change jobs? Who should I run with as close personal friends? None of those things are in the Bible. How's God going to lead me if it's not in the Bible? Well, that's when you don't use the Bible. Number one, let me talk to you about how he leads us in these areas uh, where it's not clearly in the Bible. And the primary way that he leads us on anything that's not in the Bible is, is by the peace of God in our hearts. The peace of God in our hearts. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Memorize this verse. Mark this verse. Remember this. Go back to it. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside of every believer, if you'll listen to him in your heart, and I'm not talking about your emotions, if you'll listen to the Spirit of God inside of your heart, he'll direct you in every decision you make, and he'll lead you in a good direction. And this is told in Colossians chapter 3. This great passage here about uh, the daily life we live. But in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says this. Let the peace of God rule. What's the word rule mean? Make decisions in your heart to which you were called in one body and be thankful. So I need to make a decision. I've got to do something. I want God to show me because I can't see. This company offers me a job in Dallas, Texas. I'm going to pack up and move my family. It looks good, but how many of you know things can look good and not be good? All right, I'm a young lady and I'm courting this guy and he's Don one and he's wonderful and he's asked me to marry him. If you don't ask God, you are the dumb bunny of the month. You don't have a clue what's in that monster suit right there. You don't have a clue. You have no idea what's coming down the road. God knows the end and he'd be glad to help you. But what does the Bible say? You got to let the peace of God rule in your heart. What we need to do is we have a decision. Something's going on like this. We need to get quiet and say, now, Lord, I commit this to you. I've got this decision to make. I need to know what to do. And I commit it to you. And I'm going to wait on you. And into your heart right here, you'll learn to do this. There'll come this quiet stillness, this sweet quietness that is the presence of God. And when you sense that about a decision, that's the Holy Spirit saying to you, do this right here. On the other hand, if you've got something, I don't care how good it looks. Or I don't care how much you want to do it. It doesn't matter how much I want to do it. If there's something right here that's troubling you and, and it's some people call it a check in their spirit. Some people call it as my blood brother Paul said, I could get no rest in my spirit down here, not in your head down here. And there's just something trouble you down here. That's the spirit of God saying, don't touch this. Don't go this route right here. Now listen, I don't need for him to explain it to me. I just need for him to tell me what to do. And I have never gone with the peace of God that I missed it ever. 
He directs your steps perfect. But how many times have I had situations where I did things and I was so driven in my own personality and made up my mind and I ran right over. Listen, he doesn't scream. He, he speaks quietly right here. And I ran over that still small voice in there and got in the middle of it. And it was a stinking mess. And I looked back and I saw he was speaking to me back there in my heart and I didn't pay him any attention. How much better life would be if we would let the peace of God rule in our lives, every decision. Uh, now remember, there is a way that looks good, but the end is destruction. He knows the end and he can see that. And if you'll just learn to listen to you, you'll never miss it if you'll listen to your spirit right here when you're going to do something. I can remember uh, Jack Hayford, the great teacher, the, one of America's great pastors. Uh, he was raised in a godly home, just a good young man. He said, I went off first Saturday night. I went to college, had a roommate. He was a Christian. First Saturday night, uh, for some reason, he looked at me and said, let's go downtown and pick up some girls. I bet you know you should pray about going downtown and picking up girls. He said, what's that got to do with God? Let me tell you something. He is the author of every good thing in life. And he said, we went downtown and we were sitting there and we were talking to girls. And I, I looked over at my buddy and I said to him, is there something bothering you about being down here? He said, there sure is. He said, let's get out of here. You know what? Their heart, their conscience was still so tender that they could hear God saying, you got no business being here. And my daddy used to ask me, what the hell good and come out of being out after 11 o'clock at night anyway, son? I didn't have an answer for him. Back then, I didn't know the peace of God. But it was let the peace of God rule in your heart and be willing to wait. Listen to what the Bible says. This is Isaiah 20, uh, 28, 14 or 16. Listen to what it says. He who believes will not make haste. I anything that gets you in a hurry is not God. So anything that pushes you to move fast, that is not God. The Bible says, wait upon the Lord and let, it, let peace rule in your heart. Somebody says, I've got to have a decision right now until I'm going without you. I've got to get peace in my heart before we do anything. You'll never miss it in life. You'll have a great life if you let the peace of God ruin your life, ruin your heart. How many of you have ever sensed this thing down here troubled, bothering you and, you, and you didn't realize that was God telling you to look out and be careful, ran over it, got in trouble. On the other hand, the, the sweet peace of God, it's been described as almost a velvety feeling down in your spirit. That's not the best description, but you will learn the peace of God. He would love to lead you. But again, he's not going to grab you and drag you. You've got to listen to him. You've got to submit to him. Number three is let the peace of God <clears throat> rule in your heart. Let me throw in Romans 8, 6 about this. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. When I agree to do whatever the spirit wants me to do, I'm going to have peace in my heart and I'm going to be alive on the inside. And our heavenly father would lead us if we'd just listen to our hearts. Uh, and again, I don't mean your emotions, not that hallmark stuff. I'm talking about the spirit of God inside of your spirit, talking to you and leading you. All right, now number four. All right, I've committed to do his will. I'm going to ask his word. What's, what does the word of God say? If it doesn't cover it in the word, I'm going to pray and ask him for help and I'm going to listen to his peace. All right, there's one more beyond that that we need to learn to do from scripture. And that is we need to learn to wait on God to put desires in our heart. We need to wait on him to put things in our heart. And to show us things in our heart. I, uh, turn with me to Psalm 37. These are the good things that he wants to do for us in life. That, that we're looking for in life. Uh, I was talking with a young fellow one time. And 
he'd been off to school and he'd get a little older. You know, he was up in his 20s and he was afraid. And, you know, hadn't found a girlfriend yet or he'd met, dated a few girls. They weren't, weren't what he needed. And he, he was, a fear had got on him because he'd read in the Bible that God calls certain people to be celibate. God has called certain people never to get married. And he was afraid that he was one of them. And he said, what if I'm one of those people? He said, you know, God wants, it's not good that a man should be alone. He wants people to have a companion. And he said, what, what if I'm one of them people that he's called? I said, well, are you worried about it? He said, yeah. I said, well, you're not one of them. I said, if, if, you, if you want to be married, obviously he hadn't called you to be celibate. Because if God wanted you to be celibate, do you really think he'd give you a desire for the wife and say, no, 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 he don't do that kind of stuff. People that I know that are called of God to be celibate. I spent the day with uh, Bertha Smith right before she died. 99 years old, never married. Probably why she lives so long. 99 years old. She said, marriage, may I, I couldn't, I, that would have made me throw up. Furthest thing from my mind. I never wanted to be married. Dear ones, God doesn't give you a heart with desires and then say you ain't going to get it. Read with me in Psalm 37. This is a wonderful verse. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. This theology that paints God as a bad guy is born in hell. It's not from heaven. Does the Bible not promise that he will give you the desires of your heart? Now, people speculate, does that mean that he'll put desires in there or that he'll give you what you want inside of there? And the answer is both. This is confirmed by Philippians 2.13 that says this, it is God working inside of you to give you desires and then bring them to pass, to will and to work for his good pleasure. Uh, Hebrews chapter eight, verse 10 says, I will write my laws on their heart. And uh, we need to just wait on him and let him put things inside of us. Let me quote to you a great, one of the great teaching verses here. Nehemiah chapter two, verse 12 says this. I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. He was a guy, he had a job, he had a good job, he had his future planned out. All of a sudden, something began to get in his heart. This desire to go somewhere else and do something else. And it was God that was putting that in his heart to get him there. All the things he's planned for us, all the good things, if we would just listen to our hearts and give him time to put dreams in there and desires in there. And this is not just, quote, spiritual things. Uh, he puts desires and dreams for businesses in people's hearts. He puts desires for, for activities in people's hearts. He's not stuck in the church. He's the God of all of creation, all of life. Uh, he puts desire for romance in people's hearts. I'd I, I shock y'all. He created romance. You don't have to amen if you don't want to. God created kissing. One of the greatest things you can ever do is to let God put dreams in your heart and desires. And, and uh, he's the God that plants things. Abraham, 90 years old. He'd given up on his dreams a long time ago. I love this passage. God takes him outside and said, look, count the stars. So shall your descendants be. He lit that, man, that old man's heart up with that dream. And all through scriptures, Joseph said, I have had a dream. Guess who gave it to him? And it was, a, it was a business dream to rule in government and take care of people. I have a friend, uh, Mark Walker. God put a dream in his heart to go to Congress. Thank God he didn't put it in my heart. But he put it in his heart 
and Mark has been blessed of God to help to serve greatly and help the nation. And listen, I'm going to quote it again from Psalm 30. The plans of his heart to all generations. He looks upon the sons of men. He fashions their hearts individually. So he might put it in your heart to be a ballet dancer and glorify God with it. I hope I'm not standing near you when it happens. That, that, even going to the ballet, I'd rather go to Darlington to the racetrack, but God puts different dreams and desires in people's hearts if we just let him. And we're led by him by letting him put things in our hearts. Uh, dreams for you. I, I talked to so many young girls today, young women. That, I said, what, what's you going to do? And they said, well, I, you know, my mom and daddy don't understand it. My friends laugh at me, but I just want to be a wife and a mother and raise a family. Guess who put that in there? It's God doing that. And if she'll let, if she'll let him bring that to pass, she'll have the most fulfilling, wonderful life. And I, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's individual. But we got to let him put stuff in our hearts and let him bring those dreams to pass. I, uh, I want you to look with me. My buddy Mike, I, I think he took y'all to Lamentations last week, so you know where it's at. Turn me to Lamentation. I, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Find Isaiah and then go through Jeremiah. You'll find a little book of Lament or Lamentation written by Jeremiah. And uh, there's that great passage about his mercies new every morning. But now let me tell you something. We, we can't get in a hurry if we're going to let him lead our lives. One of the things that Americans, that we, we're destroying ourselves with the pace we live at. And, and, and this fast pace, this is not good. People weren't designed to live like this. We need to slow down and let God have time to work inside of us. And this is one of those great passages where he talks about that. Lamentations, verse, chapter 3, verse 25 says this, The Lord is good to those who what? Wait for him. Wait on him. <clears throat> the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of God. So the Bible said, if I can get you to slow down a little bit and just wait on me, I'll be good to you and I'll do things for you. Many places through the Bible, we have examples of people who got ahead of God. Uh, Saul, with the great king of Israel, the first king of Israel, lost his kingdom because he got in a hurry and couldn't wait on God to do something. But the Lord is good to those who wait on him. And... Uh, one of the things you want to do, even if you put something in your heart, a dream or whatever it is, wait on him to bring it to pass. You know, David got in trouble because God put something in his heart, but he ran out and tried to make it happen. Abraham, that dream he put in his heart, Abraham, we're still suffering today because he ran out and tried to make it happen real fast on his own. He didn't wait on the Lord. So we need to wait and then just, just say, I trust you. My future and everything, I trust you to bring this to pass in my life. I want to... Uh, we're not going to take time to look at it. But I just want people to, to let, we've been taught to manufacture our own plans and dreams and hope they go well. Let God direct your life. Let him put, I guarantee you, you will delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. And he created us to be blessed like that. Uh, so we're going to let, the, let those learn to wait on him. Number five, let me throw this in here. You got to be willing to walk by faith if God's going to lead your life. We, have, we serve a faith God who wants his people to walk by faith. And you're going to have to be willing to walk by faith if you're going to let him direct your life. And this is something we've sort of, uh, our, our culture right now is very anti-faith. We claim to very, be very intellectual. I think we're pseudo-intellectual. But 
you're going to have to walk by faith if he's going to lead your life. And, and Proverbs chapter 3, let's, let's go back to that again. I want you to see something. Proverbs chapter 3. Let's read those, all four of those verses. This needs to be a, I commit to this right here, this ideal right here. Now the Bible says this. Proverbs 3, 5. Let's read it again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Put faith in God. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. What does that mean? Don't, I'm not going for what I think smart. I've, I've learned the hard way. I am not that smart. I'm not going to be wise in my own eyes. I'm going to fear the Lord, respect the Lord, and depart from me. But watch what will happen. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So what you see, do you see a, 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 you see a uh, conflict in there? God's way and the way I think is right. My understanding, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your understanding. You can't have both, dear ones. If you're going to walk by faith, you're going to have to give up reason and human logic. You have to give it up. And there's several things you cannot do. You have to ignore some things. You're going to have to ignore logic. I've made decisions that I knew God was in. And I've heard other people doing this. And people just told me, said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And, and in the natural, it looked like it. But guess what? God was in it. And it worked out good. You can't go by what looks logical so many times. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, does tithing make sense to you? You need money, so you're going to give it away? You, everybody knows you don't get by giving. But you trust God and you tithe and watch what happens. Your friends will call you an idiot and say, how much you give that church? I say, I'll give 10% of my income to my church. You give that much? You'd buy three new bass boats, monthly payments, three new bass boats for that. But that didn't make a lick of sense. But let me tell you something. God is faithful. If you'll quit leaning on what makes sense and say, I'm going to trust him and what he says. And let me tell you something. He loves faith. How many of you believe he loves faith? He's always looking for faith. He, he just says, come on, show me faith. Jesus said, if you can believe, show me something. To the father said, if you could believe. Listen, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because if you're going to come to him, you've got to believe he is. And he's going to do good things for those who seek him and walk in faith. And you're going to have to refuse logic. Number two, you've got to refuse your feelings. Your feelings and God's wisdom won't always line up together. I hear over and over people talk about I'm stuck in my emotions. Get unstuck. I hear people say, I'm, I'm in my emotions right now. You'll never find God in your emotions. You'll never find, where do your emotions take you to? When you've done things out of emotionalism, where's that in? And what's that do for you? You're going to have to tell your emotions, stand down. God's word or his wisdom is going to trump this. And number three, you're going to have to ignore your friends sometimes. If you're going to be led of God, you're going to have to ignore your friends, even Christian friends who they, they don't hear what you hear. They don't know what God's not saying to them, what he's saying to you. And you're going to have to say, I've decided to follow Jesus, though none go with me. And I've seen, I, I see young people today make decisions and their Christian parents are totally against it. But I know mom and dad is missing God a mile and a half. And you're going to have to ignore what people say if you're going to walk with God and let him bless your life. And then number four, you're certainly going to have to ignore your culture. There's a broad road that leads to destruction. And our, our nation is on it right now. And you better get off that road. You better get on the narrow road that leads to life. And that's talking about the road of, of obeying God and whatever he asked me to do. Listen, it, it's not just the right road. It's the narrow road that leads to life. 
Yes, that's right. If I obey God, I'll have eternal life. You'll have life now. You'll have life today. You'll find everything your heart's looking for if you'll just say, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to be conformed to this world. I'm going to let God make the decisions in my life. And I just, I sort of like, I just want you to see what it'll do for you. I want you to watch what would happen if you would surrender all. We used to sing a song years ago that went like this. All to Jesus, I surrender. It's not about getting saved. All to him, I freely give. We, we rewrote it about 20 years ago and it says, now it says, some to Jesus, I surrender. I heard there's a new version coming out. Just the least I can to Jesus, I surrender. Now listen to me. All to Jesus, I surrender. Dear ones, you got to get in the boat. You got to decide to follow him 100% so he can be good to you and let him take you where he wants you to take you. It'll be wonderful. Let me, let me quit by saying this. What are the results of being led by God? What if you do this? What if you decide I'm, I'm done making my own decisions? I want him to lead in every part of my life. What'll happen to you? Well, the question is, where, where am I going to end up with? What's going to happen to me? I want you to turn to one of my favorite verses in Ecclesiastes. We're finding the hard places tonight. Turn to Proverbs, and then right behind Proverbs is a book called Ecclesiastes. This is one of the most wonderful verses. Then I'm going to tell you something. God is good. He is good to the, the Bible says God is good to those who wait on him. He has never wanted to rip you off for anything. I can look at the first page of the Bible and see what he did for the first man and first woman. If you don't want that, there's something wrong with you. I mean, you're living outdoors in a garden. You don't have to work. Your wife's naked all the time. You're not going to beat that right there. And people don't, <laughs> he is good. The Lord, he ta listen, he takes me to green pastures. He brings me beside, he restores my soul. He don't destroy my soul. He restores my soul. That it, listen to me, oh, listen to me, that it might be well with you and with your children. And you got to understand, he's got one, he wants to do, he has one purpose in your life and that is to make it good. Not without problems, not without setbacks. Listen, listen to me. You're going to have problems no matter what you do on this planet now. You're going to have problems no matter what. Why not have the hand of God on your life and let him lead you to the ultimate goodness and see good things happen? Let me tell you something that's more valuable. It might cost you some money. It might cost you a title and a promotion. It might cost you some things. But there is no dollar amount you can put on peace and joy of God in your heart. You, you can't buy a happy heart. You can't buy peace. You can't buy a good marriage. And some of the junk we're chasing in this nation, we are a fool's game for it. And he takes us to that place in our lives. It's that good. I want you to look at this wonderful verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He makes all things beautiful in its time. He'll make your life beautiful. He'll make your marriage beautiful. He created marriage God wants you to enjoy your work and to work and to prosper in your work. I will prosper the work of your hands. If you'll just follow him over time, he will make your life beautiful. Make your family beautiful. He makes all things beautiful in its time. Now you, you may not have it by eight o'clock tonight, but if you'll just make up your mind, I, I, want to, I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to just get to heaven. I don't want to just be into the contemporary Christian music. I want God to run my life. I want him to order my steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Good woman too. I want him to run my life. Let me tell you what will happen. I, I can't tell you what it'll be, 
I can't tell you the timing of everything, but I know this. You're going to get old and look back the road and you're going to say, I wouldn't trade this for anything. God is good. Let me quote, just we won't look at it. Let me quote one of my favorite scriptures on this subject. It's uh, Matthew 13. It says this, the kingdom of God, letting God run your life is like a man who found treasure hidden in a field and for joy over what he found, he went and sold everything he had and bought that field. You're going to have to surrender your life to let Jesus run it. You got to sell everything you got. But the treasure you will find in what he'll do for you for joy. Listen, I started out as a young man, got saved, and I, I was discipled different than we discipled. Now, I was taught you have to obey God. You have to put him first in everything. And I did it because it was the right thing to do. And I was taught this is the right thing to do. But boy, I've learned my lesson since then. I do it now because it is the good thing to do. You know, he, he draws you into it in obedience, wanting to see if you'll obey him so he can bless you. And you go, so this is what you do to people who take you seriously, huh? Sign me up, lock me up, handcuff me, put me in, put, do what you want to do. The Lord is good to those who do that. I want to, I want to quit by talking. Everyone's, it's not about what do I have to do? It's a hard attitude. It's a hard attitude that just says, thy will be done. Run the show, Lord Jesus, thy will be done. And there is an attitude that God honors and blesses over and over and over. Every time I see people in trouble, I can look back somewhere and see where they lost this attitude and they got behind the wheel. I think I've made fun before of the foolish bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. He don't do co-pilot. He's not about to sit over and let you crash. He'll get out of the car let you crash by yourself. He, he don't do co-pilot. Put him behind the wheel. You get in the trunk and you lock it and tell him, carry on, sir. God is going to drive or he ain't going to ride. If you knew how good he was, you would beg him to drive your bus and tell him, don't even tell me where we're going. Take me wherever you want to. I look back over my life. I was a strong-willed, I was very smart when I was very young. And I'm going to have my way and nobody's going to mess with me. I, I kind of... It's funny how the world was so stupid, it kept messing me up. And man, there came a day where I just said, I'm not that smart, but I know God is good. And I surrendered to him as best I could. I've messed up a few times long ago. I'm going to tell you something. He has blessed me beyond measure. I don't deserve it. He's just been good to me. Financially, relationally, marriage, He's been good to me. But most of all, what he put right in here, nothing can buy. There's nothing that can replace the presence of God and the peace and the joy that you have in life. And to lay down at night and sleep like a baby and wake up every morning excited. I want you to look at me one more scripture, Proverbs chapter 8. This is the attitude that we want to adopt, cultivate. Turn back with me to the left of the book of Proverbs. I want you to see an attitude that he just honors and blesses. And you got to make this decision. Nobody can make it for you. And he's not going to force you. And uh, let me tell you something about the train that Jesus is driving. You can step off, off of it anytime you want to. You can take the reins back whenever you want to. But I don't want to do that. I, I want him to... I, I, I love the... Uh, one of my new favorite verses. I've been reading the Bible for 40 years and memorized so much of it. I'm still finding new... I've read the whole thing many times, but I'm finding new verses that are great to my heart. One of them is Proverbs chapter 4 that says this. Don't, don't look there. Stay in the Proverbs 8. But one of them says this. The path of the just is like the shining sun that grows ever brighter day after day all the way up to the perfect day. You know what I see right there? 
You don't live and then have these great years when your children are young and then you have these old sucky senior years and then you croak. <laughs> That's not right. The path of the just is like the shining sun. It grows ever brighter until the perfect day. So you finally see Jesus face to face and find everything your heart ever looked for. Our lives should go from glory to glory, not glory to glory to mud to the grave. God is good to people. All right, Proverbs chapter eight. I want you to read in verse 34. Proverbs 8, 34 says this. Blessed is the man or woman who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my door. What do you see right there? I see a man who knows how good God is, a woman who knows how good God is. They don't have to be wrestled. The scripture says in the book of Psalms, it says, don't be like a mule. And that's something he would say to his people, don't be like a mule. Don't be like a horse or mule that have to be captured and brought close to me with bitter bridle. Don't, don't make me have to come get you. Wait at my gate every day. Blessed is the man who listens to me. He's already made up his mind. He wants to hear what I've got to say. And he spends his life just listening to me. When I was a young man in high school, I started working for a fellow. I was just young, but all, in high school, I worked for him at his company. He was a very wealthy home builder. And uh, my job during the summertime was to be at his house at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I would ring the front doorbell at 7 o'clock, and that would wake him up. And then I'd step back out, and he'd come out on the porch up here, and he'd say good morning. And he'd, he'd, he'd just tell me what he wanted me to do to start with. He said, I'll get breakfast, get dressed, and be on down in a little while. He'd tell me what to do. And then I'd either work around his place, or I'd go over to the company and work. And... And uh, that's a picture of the, of the, and by the way, he blessed me every Friday. He blessed me extra good. I didn't deserve everything that man gave me, but I think it's because he liked me. A man that just every, instead of having to be drugged there and having to have revivals and having to go through the fire and bust your head, just every morning, just, just be waiting at his door and saying, have thine own way, Lord. Tell me what you want me to do. I've already made up my mind. I'm going to give you a blank check. I've already signed it. You fill it in. What does it say? Blessed is the man. God does things for the man or woman that'll just say, I'm, I'm done fighting. Thy will be done. Every area. And then you begin to see the goodness of God unfolding in your lives. And you begin, to, you begin to realize, God did that right there. He did that for me. He, that raise came because of him. That person's in my life because of him. He's done this for me. And then you start getting this. Got anything else? You just get excited about obeying him. I know obedience is the ugly word today. One of the sweetest words in the world is to obey God and put him first in everything you do and watch where he takes you to. I'll tell you what I'll do. You follow God for a few years, obey him in every area. Attitudes, hard attitudes, the way you treat people, the way you spend your money. You put him first in every area. And if in a few years he rips you off, I'll pay you the difference. This comes with a money back guarantee, folks. You get on this train and you stay on it because this train is bound for glory. I promise you it's headed in the right place. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you so much that I just love Psalm 81. So all, if they would just listen to me, I would have fed them with the finest of wheat. With honey from the rock, I would have satisfied them. I would have crushed their enemies. I've seen how good you are in your word. I've seen what, you've done, what you do for people that listen to you, follow you completely at heart level. And uh, surely, surely the Lord is good to those who wait on him is the truth. And I want to praise you and thank you. I want to pray for everybody in here tonight that deep in their hearts, uh, rather than just try to make it into heaven or attend a church or like a certain kind of stuff, 
that they would get face to face with you and say, thy will be done in every area. I want you to direct my attitudes, my decisions, my words toward people. Help me, help me. And I trust you to show me your will. Show me what you want. Order my past through your word, <clears throat> by your spirit in my heart, by the dreams you put inside of me. I commit my way to you knowing that you'll lead me. Thank you that you are truly a good father who takes us to the greatest places. I want to praise you and thank you that if me being evil will give good things to my children, how much more would the heavenly father give good things to those who ask him and line up with his will. I trust you for that. Let Jesus be glorified in our hearts and lives. I thank you that you're working wonderful things in the earth right now to those who still wait on you and trust you. Let that be everybody here, everybody listening. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you. No kidding.